Hi, everyone. Uh, it's great to have you with us again this week. And you'll see that I have with me Erica Mills, who is uh, involved in our community in care. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. But Erica is also going to be um, preaching this week for us and, and bringing the message. And I'm excited for what she has to share with us. And we thought that it would be uh, good to talk a little bit about, about her role in the community and do this little interview just to kind of set up um, for the rest of the morning. So, Erica, thank you for, for joining us this morning. And I was wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and like how long you've been in the community, kind of some of your roles, your family, and uh, let you run a little bit with that. Sure. Thanks so much for having me. It's a great opportunity to speak to your people and your community and let you know a little bit about what I do here at the hospital. Uh, so I've lived in um, Clarksburg, Thornbury area for four years. Um, my husband and I moved up here to be co-pastors for the first time in our uh, 20 years of marriage. We decided we we're gonna be bivocational co-pastors. And that meant that we would share um, the preaching and the leadership in our little congregation in Thornbury. And then we would also do other things on the side. So I do hospital chaplaincy and he's working on his PhD and doing some military chaplaincy. And uh, it's, it's working really well for us. And we have two teenagers, Shauna, who's 20 and she's doing psychology at Tyndale. And our son uh, is 16. His name is Elijah, and he's just learning to drive in a pandemic. Yay. So, yeah, super fun. <laughs> so you've been pastoring at, at the church in, in Thornbury. It's um, Blue Mountain Community Church, right? Yeah. And, um, and you're also involved at the hospital with chaplaincy. So tell us a little bit about, about your role uh, at the hospital. Hmm. So I trained to be a minister and a chaplain all at the same time. And chaplaincy training is a long, drawn-out process. And it, it's took, taken me four years to train for chaplaincy on top of um, my master's degree. So when um, the job at the Collingwood Hospital came up, um, it was to fill in for Greg Armstrong, who was off on medical leave and it just really seemed like um, something that the spirit was leading me to. And I, I didn't really know how it was all going to, you know, work out with my congregation, but so far so good. Um, so I, I'm filling in for Greg and Greg recently passed away and he was so beloved at the hospital and mm -hmm. such big shoes to fill. I keep hearing and um, so it's been it's been wonderful to be part of this hospital community. Everyone is so friendly and warm. And yet it's also been really challenging because everyone has a mask on. There's so much new staff and all the programs um, have been suspended or paused. And yeah. so um, so here I am making my way and it's it's good. There's a lot to learn. Great. Mm -hmm. So um, when it comes to your role at the hospital and chaplaincy, like, I guess we'll, you've already mentioned a little bit about some of the challenges, but let's jump first into uh, how has that been meaningful for you? Like, give us some of the highlights of 
chaplaincy. And, and in doing that, you'll let us know a little bit more about what you actually do as chaplain at the hospital. Sure. The thing that I am so drawn to in chaplaincy is the sacredness of every human being. And that recognition that the spirit of God has been planted in every person. And whether we've woken up to, to God's spirit in us or not, um, there, there's divine activity in every life. So that's what gets me really excited is in, in every interaction, there is this, this glimpse of God at work. And uh, I, I love to discover where God is at work in a person's life, even if they can't describe it in that way. Um, I feel like that's my job as a chaplain to kind of to hear it and to to draw maybe their attention to that. And uh, it's exciting to see the little what little, little seeds can become. Um, yeah. So the my job is day. to. Yeah, exactly. The day in each person. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think when you approach each interaction with that lens or with that way of seeing, um, it really helps you to to, to understand the Imago Day, the, the sacredness of everyone. So my role is to support patients, their families, staff, um, on-call chaplains, a peer support team. And uh, I, I approach everything with a blank slate. So right. when someone says, what is your job? I say, just to show up and see what, what God is doing. Now, what's easier to answer when someone says to you as a chaplain, what do you do all day? Or when someone says to you as a pastor, what do you do all day? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, the, the thought that just Sunday morning is all we do is so laughable to me because, man, you know, Paul, there's a lot <laughs> that goes on. Yeah, it's holding the weight of of people's lives, right? It's, yes. It's Yeah. It's heavy. It's a blessing. Yeah. One of the things that um, I think would be good for for our people to know is uh, like you do some of the extra mile things as a chaplain. So many of our family uh, know who Lillian is, who's our little sweet coffee lady. And Lillian was in the hospital a while back, sometime back during the pandemic, and, and I couldn't get in to see her. But Erica went in to see her and brought her phone and let Lillian um, just interact with me through Erica's phone so that I could have a conversation with Lillian. And it was little things like that, that for me um, speak so much into how you are approaching your job as chaplain right now. Mm -hmm. So, so I wanted to say thank you and kind of just, that was uh, really special that you were willing to do that. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Thank you for being there. I think that's that's one of my visions, one of my um, core beliefs in, in chaplaincy is helping people to get connected with their own church and their own clergy. Yeah. So I often say I don't provide religious care. That's that's your pastor's role. Your pastor knows how to pray for you, what what you're learning on Sunday mornings as a community. And, you know, wherever ministers can do that ministry, I, I want to make sure that that happens. And also educate people who don't have a church on the reality that we've been created for community. We've been created to, to belong to God's people. And uh, that's where we find health. So I'm constantly thinking about those things. So you talk a little bit about the highlights. Um, what are some of the biggest challenges you're you're facing right now in your chaplaincy role? Not having any volunteers. 
um, not being able to really have visitors. So I'm feeling the weight of um, being the one of the only people who can go in and offer time to those in hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, our volunteers and our volunteer clergy have played such an incredible role of coming in and supporting um, and offering that presence to people and that's gone. And um, so, yeah, it's hard to be the only one. And um, <sighs> mm. at the phone, the phone is our way through this. We started yes. gathering a, a small group of phone volunteers who I'll give them a name and an extension and they'll just call in and listen and, and be that presence. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah, so that's, wow. that's good. Wow. Uh, how many days a week are you at the hospital? Uh, all day Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Okay. And then um, here and there other times. Okay. So that limited amount of time, and yet you're kind of bearing the brunt of all of the spiritual care of patients at the hospital right now. Isn't that wild? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. It's wild. It's not possible. Yeah. Yeah. I keep, I keep holding that image of God's hands and just kind of putting people into God's hands because Mm -hmm. I'm just the vessel. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we are, I mean, we're praying for our frontline workers, um, and new life, uh, supports the chaplaincy position at the hospital. And, um, so I think one of the things that, that I'd want to ask is, you know, apart from praying for you personally, and now knowing what you're going through, I think our people can pray that much more uh, specifically for you. Um, but what else could we do as a congregation that could help um, in any way, um, whether it's as individuals or, or as, a, as a congregation as a whole? Mm-hmm. Thank you for the question. I think it it shows a heart to be connected to your community, the spiritual health of your community. Um, I think the, yeah, we have so many limitations of not being able to come in. You can't provide food for the staff. You know, there's so many restrictions. But I think the thing that we offer as churches, that you offer as New Life, is being able to connect and support with one another. And so I I heard you talking earlier about neighborhood churches that you're doing, and I think that's fantastic. to be able to know that that there's a network of support that people can find in the community, in their neighborhoods, it actually keeps us healthy. It keeps us out of hospital. And, um, and also educating those around you to say, if you're in hospital, ask the chaplain, call for the chaplain, because there is someone that can support you. And um, there's, there's a small group of people who can come in for your loved ones and help you to make those connections. So... Uh, Connection, connection, connection. Yes. Yeah. And we want to do more. And I think that's part of the difficulty of, of um, life during the pandemic right now is people want to do things and yet they can't. So um, I think the one thing I would ask everyone is, um, yeah, continue to connect with each other so that care happens because there's lots of things happening that we may not even find out about. And sometimes Erica lets me know um, you know, somebody's, somebody's here and I might not have known that, or I've been able to ask her if she could check in on somebody, um, but connect with each other. And that's partly why we're running our, our new life neighborhoods, um, right now. And, um, 
And then when things do lift, um, I think this has been a great glimpse for us to, you know, just consider like how you might consider being a, a caregiver in the hospital. Some of our people have done the training for, um, for caregiving in the hospital. And, and I know that they've been a part of that. And, and this would be just a good plug for those of you who, who love to go and visit people that need to be visited. Um, they do offer training and I'm assuming that's going to happen sometime in the future again. Absolutely. Um, so that, <laughs> Can't so that, wait to get it going. <laughs> yeah. So it, again, just to have uh, new life people, um, solid people in the hospital who are working alongside of Erica and others like her, um, it's just another opportunity to look forward to. But in the meantime, let's continue to pray for Erica and, uh, and for um, just all those people that are that are trying to offer care for those that are kind of isolated and stuck in a hospital bed. So, and especially the staff too. I just want to plug yeah. that in because yes. they're not getting vacation. They're understaffed. Yeah. They're overworked and they're yes. exhausted. So pray for them and care for yes. them. Yes, we interviewed Mark Quigg um, over a year ago at yeah. the beginning of all this, and then we interviewed him again just a little while ago with a Q and A night about the vaccines. And yeah, and he looked really tired. Um, and, and so we're feeling for, for all of our caregivers and, and want to continue to pray for them. And uh, Erica, thank you so much for doing this interview. And actually, we're not done because we're just going to transition from this into uh, you actually bringing a message for us um, separately. But uh, So thank you for making yourself available for us today and uh, just look forward to continuing to work side by side with you. Uh, in the weeks and months and years to come. Thanks so much for having me and New Life for supporting this this role in the hospital. All right. So I'm actually just going to pray for you right now, and uh, and then we'll transition into uh, into your sermon. Thank you, Father. Thank you for Erica, and thank you for um, the way that you have led her to uh, CGMH and the gifting that she has and um, the passion that she has, and uh, even the vision that she has for her role here at the hospital. And, uh, and we pray for all of our um, sister congregations in the area and uh, the pastors and caregivers who are, who are working alongside of her, uh, helping people in crisis. And, um, and it's a heavy load. And we think of all of the, the frontline healthcare workers um, and I know that there are lots of others that we could be praying for that are, that are also taxed. But this morning, we specifically pray for the doctors, the nurses, the PSWs, mm-hmm. the cleaners, the, the admin people that just go in day after day and are trying to, uh, to navigate um, very difficult times. And I know that they're um, deflated sometimes and they're exhausted and... Um, just looking for an end in sight. And I pray that uh, you would just uh, allow them to experience your love and your light and, uh, and that they would have a sense of hope that will carry them through, uh, through the coming days. And uh, we pray for Erica, um, that you would give her the endurance and the strength and the patience that she needs now and that her roots would go deep down into Christ so that she could receive the nourishment uh, that she needs as she cares for so many other people. And we thank you for the word that she's going to bring to us in just a moment and uh, in the learning that we'll have from her as we celebrate together what it means to be united in Christ and to put our hope and trust in you, God. Uh, we love you, and uh, we're grateful for for life, and for 
for the one who who's the author of life, who's left his image within each of us and uh, fills us with his spirit when we turn to you and uh, pray that for so many people and uh, especially for Erica today. Amen. Well, good morning from the spiritual care office in the Collingwood General and Marine Hospital. Today, I am delighted to be here to share with you about uh, what I've learned um, about training for trust in crisis. Right now in healthcare, talks are increasing in the medical ethics community about how to choose who will get care and access to life-saving treatment and who won't. Doctors in Ontario and around the world are facing intense moral distress because if there are two patients who need one vent, the doctor quickly realizes, I have limits to my control. This is so strange in North America because part of our cultural values is privilege and competency. We have access here to excellent education. We prepare for trouble. We work hard to get better grades, better job, the better house. If we want those things, we can have a healthier body. And so as we live through COVID, many of us are experiencing new limits of what we can control in our lives. I haven't seen my dad in over a year. We had a holiday planned last May for our 20th anniversary and that got squashed. We pastor a church that is not able to meet in person anymore. And I know that all of you are experiencing that as well. And it's worse even for those in the healthcare system as doctors and um, nurses aren't able to take vacation and are just dealing with the weight of helping people. It's kind of like the camel trying to go through the eye of the needle. Some things are just impossible. So friends, if you haven't had a crisis of control in your life yet, I promise you one day you will. And it's for this reason that Jesus has a word for us in scripture. So think of a time when you came face to face with your own limits. How did you respond to those things that you can no longer control? Nearly every day I talk to people who are facing the most challenging moments of their lives. They may never be able to walk again, or they may be facing cancer treatments and not ever going home to their, their family home, but moving to a long-term care home. It's just part of doing spiritual care in the hospital is talking with people in the midst of their personal crisis and wrestling through how do I cope with all of these things that are out of my control. Deep crisis moments are often the moments of true transformation and revelation in our spirit, where the experience that we're having either confirms or denies our beliefs and what we've grown up and what we've been holding on to as truth. I think that's why Jesus sent the disciples out into the boat without him. 
here's an opportunity to learn how to trust. So Jesus sent them out in the boat and then Jesus went up on the mountainside by himself all alone to pray. And later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land and it started to get buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Jesus and his disciples were separated and the disciples were no doubt concerned and uncomfortable. Where is our savior? Why isn't he with us any longer? The story continues. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. This is, it's still dark. It's four in the morning. It's often that scary time when you don't know what's coming next. It's hard to understand. See, human beings have a complicated relationship with knowledge. On one hand, we're called to learn and to develop wisdom and the fear of the Lord, as Proverbs tells us. And then on the other hand, we're called to mystery and unknowing. And that's why God told Adam and Eve not to eat the fruit. You're not entitled to ultimate knowing. That's a realm that we are not invited into. So let this apply to you. What are you afraid of right now at your four in the morning? Have you asked for help? Jesus immediately says to them and says to you, take courage. It is I, don't be afraid. It wasn't until they noticed, it wasn't until they noticed they were afraid and called out for help that Jesus spoke. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Peter doubted, but he asked Jesus for what he needed. He said, I'm doubting Lord. I need you to show up and prove yourself. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, come. He didn't try to prove anything, but he answered Peter. And in his answer to Peter, he asked something of him. He called him to take a step of faith towards Jesus, not even knowing that it was Jesus. So I wonder, in your situation right now, that thing that's out of your control, Jesus is saying to you, can you hear him say, come, take courage. It is I. How does that apply to your situation? It's here that we're tempted to think that trusting God ends. We ask, God provides. This is the Pat Sunday School answer. This is the answer that I think actually makes people lose faith sometimes because it's not the whole story. It misses the whole next section that comes. Human beings have limits. And to say, just trust God and it's all gonna be okay, misses this part of the story. So where is God in it? When my son was three, he so badly wanted to keep up with his older sister. So when she would hop on her bike and zip down the driveway, he thought, oh yeah, I can do that too. And he pulled the smaller bike over. But once he started pedaling, he soon realized he didn't have the skills yet. And when he wasn't getting it and falling over, he cried for help. It's in our limitations 
that we realize that we need help. We need a savior. And when Peter called out, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him and said, you of little faith, why did you doubt? At the end of the story, Peter and all the onlookers realized that Jesus was the son of God. The friends watched the struggle. They were part of the worry and the fear and the hope. And it was through this encounter in the storm that all of their eyes were opened to God's presence with them. What I've noticed is that trust can be taught and the courage that Jesus calls us to is possible and it takes training. And if we're willing to call out and to take courage, these can be some of the most formational moments of our lives where we learn to know Jesus and how he is with us in everything. And eventually, when you've been practicing long enough and you've been through a number of storms, you know that Jesus is coming to you. You know that he's not that far away. Here is some scripture wisdom for how to begin to practice this trust training. First one, there's four. First one, listen for the spirit. Prayerfully discern Lord, where are you in this situation? When we decide to live our lives as followers of Jesus, we know that he's never far off. Lord, where are you? What's your spirit saying to me? Number two, take courage. Accept this is my situation and I am ready to take action. Train this inner strength of yours by learning, by um, finding out the information that you need to find out and then having courage to do the next right thing that God and your community is encouraging you to do. The third thing, receive God's help. Are you trying to do it alone? Are you drowning? Have you asked for help? It's a very simple prayer. Lord, help me. I need you. And the fourth thing is, ask God to increase your faith. That's a prayer that you can pray. Lord, I need you. Help my unbelief. As Paul writes to the Corinthians, we have a treasure and it's in clay jars or our bodies that are weak and, and breakable so that the extraordinary power belongs to God and doesn't come from us. See, we're experiencing trouble on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but we are not abandoned. We're knocked down, but not destroyed. That's it. In these extraordinary days of grief and trouble, this is an opportunity to practice trust so that we develop resilience and perseverance. Keep going, take courage. God is as near to you as your breath and nothing can overtake you because Christ in you has overcome and is overcoming. So take that situation that you've been thinking of and I wanna pray for you right now. Let's pray. Lord, for all the fears represented here today, would we recognize you beside our boats. Thank you that you always come. Would we remember 
to prayerfully ask you for what we need so that we can say with confidence, we lack nothing. And would we heed your call to take courage, knowing that we are inadequate and that's why we need you. So make this a time, this season of our lives of perseverance and of practicing trust that we would come to see you and receive you as Lord of our lives. Amen. What a wonderful message from Erica. And what a pleasure it was to interview her and then to hear from her share about um, sometimes what it takes to get us to trust God, to reach out and to ask for help. So I hope you were encouraged by that this morning. Hey, we want to invite you to join us again next week on Sunday. It's Mother's Day, and we are going to be having a child dedication where we have uh, some parents who want us to pray for their child, and they want to uh, just make this declaration that, that they want their child to grow up knowing Jesus. And the best way for, for that to happen is to have that happen in the context of community. So rather than just having our broadcast on YouTube, we are going to invite you, if you would, to join us on Zoom. The link has been uh, out on the weekend email, so you can find the Zoom link for Sunday, May the 9th. And join us live on Zoom, and we will participate with them in celebrating this little one and praying for this little one and for them. And then uh, I will just do the teaching live on Zoom. And if you're not comfortable being on Zoom, you can still watch live on YouTube. So you've got an option either or, but we do want to encourage you, like we did on Good Friday, which so many people enjoyed, is hop on Zoom and and participate uh, with us in that format. So we trust that this week will be encouraging for you, and we look forward to seeing you next Sunday. And um, May you just find your thoughts and your hearts turned toward Jesus this week and finding encouragement from Him and the Spirit of Christ that wants to lift you up and lead you along uh, in all the things that, uh, that God wants for you. We'll see you next week.